And welcome back to another episode of Sportsball Go. And Puck. Oh my god. Oh he my did goodness. It? Oh my wow. Alex Fern. Hello. Today we will have Brian joining us on the phone. So Alex took duties into his own hand, helped me out doing the intro. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, today is March 16th, I believe, Wednesday, approximately 1489, 1912, 3.51 in the afternoon. We'll have this posted for you guys tonight. Starting some wacky schedules. Alex, how was your break? We missed you last week. It was it, it was all right. I went back uh, home to Lincoln. I brought my girlfriend Ainsley with me, kind of showed her the town a bit, caught a good old uh, Lincoln Stars USHL hockey game. Haven't gone to one of those in a while. That sounds fun. Who won? Uh, Omaha ended up winning 4-3, to three, but it was a heck of a game. A uh, couple of fantastic saves by one uh, Caden Embaricos, Colorado College commit. He's uh, He was very, very fun to watch, but... Yeah, we walked around downtown. Ainsley got some Husker merch. It's, I'm trying to con- kind of convert her to uh, the dark side, but yeah, it was fun. I listened to a little bit of the episode on my way on my drive back up here, but I really didn't have a lot of time because I had to focus because the roads were kind of treacherous on our way back up. But oh, yeah, I think they were yeah. everywhere in the Midwest. It was. I'm getting new bad. glasses too. You guys, you got, I heard you guys were going to try to call me during my eye appointment, but I'm I'm getting some new glasses here. Hopefully, pretty soon. So yeah, we were uh, we were tempted to just kind of call you and surprise you just to get a couple uh, <laughs> couple ideas for what you're thinking about the bracket. We are talking more of that today because now we actually have the full bracket. I have it in hand. We won't go over too much of the entire bracket. I will say a couple teams when we get to it. We do, though, have not had a full show in two weeks, so we're bringing a blockbuster. Instead of periods today, uh, we are having quarters because we got four different topics. Uh, we're talking baseball twice. We're talking college basketball, and uh, we're bringing a fun one back. Three stars of the week. We haven't had that for a while. So uh, getting into today's show, Alex, you got something to say again? Uh, we got a little bit of breaking news from the St. Cloud State athletic side of things. Head coach of the women's hockey program, Steve McDonald, has been relieved of his duties. That's is that that's that's the second firing that's happened in St. Cloud State athletics today, along with head coach Dave Reimer of the men's, men's basketball, basketball. program. Uh, across the table from you, we haven't even introduced him yet, and we're almost trying to Sorry, get him Kyle. ready for the show. Kyle. Yeah, I'm. I'm here. I'm. I'm glad. It. Nice. A little side note: I am now the only member who has been present for every single show in sports mm. ball going puck history. That is mm. accurate. Just thought of that I've, off the spot there. I wasn't in one New Year's because I was yeah. in Arizona. Alex wasn't in last week, and Brian's not in this I guess, week. Yeah, spoiler alert, Brian's not here. So. I did, yeah, Brian, we will be calling him over the phone. We'll see if he answers because he is the basketball genius out of the four of us. We want to get his input on a couple of things. Uh, so today we won't have too much news. We're going to kind of break down a little bit of news, especially baseball. Oh, my God, it's back. I am happy. We're talking a little bit of baseball news as we get into our baseball segments today. So, just going over the quick rundown of it, some NHL and NBA scores from the past two weeks that we haven't had a regular show. The Winnipeg Jets upset the Golden or Vegas Golden Knights in a 7-3 upset. Again, it was a great upset, 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 upset. Uh, Kyle Connor had three points. He had a goal, two assists in the game. Sabres also had an upset of their own against somebody who was for some reason not on my sheet in a 5-2 to two finish. And the Kings had everybody scratching their head this past week after getting shut, shut out by the San Jose Sharks in a 5-0 to zero finish. In uh, some NBA news, in the past week we've had two players score 60 points in a game. One of them was Minnesota 
our Minnesota own Carl Anthony Towns against the Spurs, 60 points and 149 to 139 finish. And the next 60-point game was Kyrie Irving. He shot 60 points himself in a 150 to 108 win over the Magic. And the Suns, being the Suns, whooped the Lakers 140 to 111. Sorry to mention that one, Alex. Not really. And uh, finally, the Nuggets and the Warriors battled out in the past week in a good defensive brawl, ending in 113 to 102 finish, favoring the Warriors. That is it for recap. Uh, or uh, recap for scores. Next, we're going to go into our first quarter with a little bit of a breakdown with NCAA basketball. And uh, joining us here on the phone, if he picks up, we're dialing. We'll see if he answers. Jules, what's up, buddy? Brian Mose, ladies and gentlemen, not in the flesh, on the digital side of things today. Uh, Brian, Brian, how you doing today? Um, I'm doing well. I'm, uh, I'm planted here in Minneapolis, Minnesota, going to go to a concert tonight, but I hear that uh, I've been called upon to give some basketball opinions, so I mean, uh, I'm, I'm excited for that. Out of the four of us, none of us really know much about basketball, but if one of us does, it is definitely you. Brian, i got to let you know. All I, all I do is look at numbers on a screen, and then I just make predictions, Jules. It's not too difficult. I think that's kind of what all of us do. But, Brian, a <laughs> little, little side take for you. I don't you. know. I know ball. <laughs> Alex, Alex nailed the intro today. Oh, really? He nailed it. It's like you Wonderful. Were, it's, like, it's like we didn't even need you for it. I'm just joking. Okay. We always need you for Oh, it. it's fine. It's uh, fine. But, obviously, as we talked last week, we had a specialty show, uh, NCAA basketball, 55 minutes was the clock, and we hit it exactly. Uh, but mm-hmm. we now have a full Final Four bracket. Uh, we've done one phone call on the show before, and that was with our actual uh, person who's on the show now. Alex, you were a guest on the show the one time. We're going to do things a little bit differently if you listened then to listening now. Um, rather, instead of Alex partaking in a regular show. We're going to just more so kind of interview Brian with some stuff, uh, kind of get his full take on uh, what's going on with NCAA basketball, how the tournament's going to start, what Brian thinks uh, maybe some teams that uh, could prove some big upsets. Uh, for, I, I got to ask, everybody loves upsets. Do you have any right off the board, Brian, that you can see uh, being detrimental to uh, anybody's brackets? Uh, well, yeah, and I think this is kind of a popular pick uh, overall, but I think you got to look at Vermont uh, in that first round against Arkansas. And not only that, them potentially beating UConn in the round of 32 to reach the Sweet, sweet 16. Uh, that would be in the West region uh, with Gonzaga, and uh, that's where the rain will ultimately end. But usually we see a double-digit seed make the Sweet 16. Last year it was Oregon State. Loyola Chicago has been around that fray a few times. So I think Vermont is going to be a team that's certainly going to be interesting. Uh, and then you can also take a look at South Dakota State if you want to. Um, I think Iowa would probably beat them in around a 32 game. But, you know, it's not out of the question. But if you're going to pick a team uh, as a big upset, not like just, you know, a regular 5-12 or a 7-10, you want to go kind of like a big swing and try and win your bracket, go ahead and pick Vermont uh, over Arkansas in the first round. Uh, looking at the sheet here, it definitely does look like that is a big one. Um, I got to ask you, though, what's your Final Four looking like? Well, my Final Four uh, right now, um, the West region is interesting because I believe 
Um, I have, I know for sure it's either Gonzaga or Texas Tech. Um, that one I've been going back and forth on. Um, a lot of people are picking Duke. I believe Alex is even picking Duke in that region. I could be wrong. Um, which all three of those teams are fine. The big thing with Texas Tech is that you're wondering if their defense can carry over into the tournament. Their offense isn't very good, so they're going to have to win by stifling out competition. Uh, and Texas Tech can definitely beat Gonzaga. They did a couple of years ago uh, when the Final Four was here in Minneapolis. Or I say here in Minneapolis for me, uh, only a, uh, a quick drive for you guys up in St. Cloud. But uh, that would be my West pick. And then for the uh, other regions, I think Arizona is going to get in. Um, I also am feeling like Auburn or Wisconsin is going to get in in that spot. I think Auburn is probably my final pick. And then uh, either Kentucky or UCLA, and I'm guessing Kentucky will get in to round out that final four. So um, I've got six teams right now, but if I had to, you know, make declaratives with what my gut is saying, it's probably Arizona, um, Auburn, Gonzaga, and uh, Kentucky. Although the bracket that I might have submitted to you guys might be different because uh, my answer just keeps changing this year. There doesn't seem to be like a clear cut number one team this year like there have been in the past. So it's going to be a tough bracket. Being that there's not a clear-cut team, is there any th any of those four? Uh, I believe you said Auburn, Arizona, uh, Gonzaga, and Kentucky. Mm -hmm. Were those four that you said correct? Yeah, probably the ones I'd be most confident in. Do you see so. any of those four, even just, you know, thinking 25% all the way around the board, are any of those, like, etching to a 30% you want to pick them to win? Yeah, uh, and that would be the Arizona Wildcats. Uh, John Rothstein, who is a... Uh, CBS Sports basketball reporter and he's a sideline reporter for March Madness uh, he put it really well Arizona plays the most aesthetically pleasing basketball uh, in, in the college kind of sphere uh, they're really big they're really fast uh, their head coach is a former assistant uh, at Gonzaga and he took that uh, style of basketball with him to Arizona um, that Arizona team is huge they're one of the tallest teams in college basketball but they're also one of the fastest yeah, I mean I couldn't imagine you know, playing at a school that maybe you're a, a bit more average height or your your team maybe isn't quite as accustomed to playing physical and you watch uh, Benedict Mathurian and his just gang of wildcats run on you up and down the floor. I think Arizona is going to be really difficult to spot to stop. Um, now, their three-point shooting there, or maybe lack of consistent three-point shooting could hurt them, but I think it's been good enough so far this season to where they can get buckets if they need it uh, and they will – they will destroy teams in the paint. And I think that's going to be really tough for them to stop uh, in this tournament. And the fact that they play fast too, that's a really bad recipe for anybody trying to step up against Arizona. Brian, I quickly got a question for you. I, I've discovered yeah. this this morning when I was looking around the South region. There's a lot of trendy uh, double-digit seeds that are getting picked right now, and I'm kind of just going to throw all three of them at you. A lot of people are having either Michigan, Longwood, or Loyola, Chicago in their Sweet 16. What do you think of those three teams? Well, I know why Longwood is in there, um, because uh, people like picking phallic team names. So I don't think that's a serious pick, although it would be kind of funny uh, since Oral Roberts made it last year. Um, but I think in terms of teams that make the most sense, uh, I think you got to go Loyola Chicago. This is a team that um, if they continue the success overall, they could maybe do a Gonzaga transition where they move from a mid-major school to potentially a blue blood or a consistent contender. Uh, this Loyola Chicago team is playing and peaking at the right time. Uh, when I like kind of looked at it from the outside in, I was like, Oh, Loyola is a bubble team. They must have, you know, like 10 or 12 losses. I think they only have seven, if I remember correctly. Yeah, correct so that. this Loyola Chicago team is really, really good right now. 
they're playing extremely well. They've got a lot of experience uh, up and down the floor. I think this Loyola Chicago team could definitely get into the Sweet 16. Um, they would have to get through Villanova probably for that, but I don't think it's impossible. Alex, you have any questions for Brian? Hey, Brian. Yeah, what's up? How do you feel about them Jackrabbits? Uh, them Jackrabbits are good, man. I they are they are very very good. The South Dakota State University Jackrabbits, that being, are are just so good at shooting. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. They're shooting forty five percent from three. That's four percent better than anybody else in college basketball. That number two team is Colgate. Um, so, I think Sa San Diego State and to reference Colgate, I guess a big difference in my opinion between South Dakota State and Colgate is while South Dakota State's big men aren't going to, you know, impress you or wow you, they're still, you know, they still have some size down low that could maybe get them some rebounds. Uh, Colgate has no size whatsoever, and they played in a far worse league. Um, so South Dakota State should be a trendy pick, uh, and I think the Jackrabbits, if, if you know, if some shots fall their way, I've got them advancing the round of 32 past Providence, but I wouldn't put it past them to defeat uh, Iowa at all. Hmm. So I got a quick question for you. Out of all of ESPN's brackets right now, they released uh, percentage predictions of what people are putting down on their brackets. And right now there's mm -hmm. a little bit over 50% of people putting New Mexico State beating number five UConn. So number 12, New Mexico State beating number five UConn in the first round. Is that uh, something you can see come possibly true? Uh, no. Uh, I think that is a pick that – people are making because it's a 5-12 seed and probably a couple experts told them to pick it. But I think these, I think those two schools in New Mexico State and UConn, as far as I know, they both play really slow, scrappy styles of basketball. Yeah. Um, and in that situation, I always take the guy, or rather the team, that is playing in better competition, which is UConn, and has the more talented athletes that play a very similar style of basketball. Yeah, New Not saying that New Mexico State can't, you know, win that game, but UConn, I think, is a much better five seed than people are giving them credit for. Yeah, New Mexico State hasn't played anybody that's been ranked in the top 25 this year, and UConn has a 17 BPI ranking to New Mexico State's 117. So yeah, and that's a good and that's a really good point, Alex. And you know, not that BPI is an end-all, be-all stat, but it really shows you kind of the different level of competition these two teams are playing. And you know, no disrespect to New Mexico State, that's one of their best seasons in program history. But I think if you're playing a style that UConn tends to do better or wants to do the same thing and they have more talented players, I think that's a really tough upset to pull off. So what you're saying in short, Brian, is let's go Huskies. Let's go Huskies. All right. So same number, right. same numbered upset. Just got to keep getting your opinions on these ones for all of our yeah. people that still haven't filled out brackets yet. Same seeds, mm -hmm. uh, but moving from uh, west to east, St. Mary's, mm -hmm. obviously they've had a great season. They ended the regular season 25-7. and seven. They're going up against Indiana first round. That's another big upset that people are trying to say is going to happen. Do you see that one possibly coming true? I think if Indiana bothers St. Mary's enough to throw them off in the first bit of play, so that might be like in the first like five or ten minutes or so. But I feel like overall, uh, I think – St. Mary's is a really good basketball team. And I think not only that, but people are kind of undervaluing the West Coast Conference. The West Coast Conference has four really good teams. One team didn't make it in. That was Santa Clara. Those are There are four very good basketball teams that had north of 20 wins on the season, I believe. Um, St. Mary's played tough competition. They beat Gonzaga. So it's not like this is a team that can't win big games. And I know Indiana's been hot down the stretch. So while I 
wouldn't say that it's probable. It's definitely possible, but I would say stick with the Gales and maybe get them, you know, maybe pick them to be upset later on and not in the first round. Sounds good to me. I'm going to quickly like add to something that Brian just said, and I'm, maybe he can uh, tell me if he agrees with me or not. Me and Brian watched a little bit of the Indiana-Wyoming game yesterday, and uh, me and Brian also watched the St. Mary's-Gonzaga game yesterday, and I don't think Indiana has it in them to beat St. Mary's. I don't think they're efficient enough on offense. They, they It's ugly, and they play ugly, and that's fine. But uh, Indiana has not fared very well against top 25 teams this year. And I know some of the stats will say that they, you like them, and they beat Purdue once this year and whatnot, but I, I'm not feeling it. I think St. Mary's is better than people give them credit for. But more importantly, I think people are vastly overrating Indiana right now. Yeah, and Kyle brought up a good point that we watched that playing game with them in Wyoming. And not that Indiana plays a bad style of basketball, but they're just really sloppy. They're cool with getting grimy buckets. They're not worried about, you know, offensive efficiency, like Kyle said. And not that, you know, a, a defensive and scrappy team can't beat an offensive efficient team, but the way that basketball is right now, I'll take the offensive efficient team that has been more consistent throughout the year versus a team that maybe is just getting a little bit hot down the stretch. So I got one more final question for you, and then we'll let you go. Okay. Enjoy your night with your uh, buddies and uh, yeah. go enjoy a concert. If you had to pick one team, let's say you were playing in this tournament, mm-hmm. who cares what team you play on? There's one team in this tournament that you say, I want to be on the complete opposite side of the bracket from them. If I have to face them, I don't want to see them until it comes down to the last game of the tournament. Who would that team end up being? Well, uh, not to recycle answers, but that has to be Arizona for me. I wouldn't want to defend Arizona at all. They're big. They're menacing. They're extremely fast. The way that they play offense is it almost gives you like a headache if you're trying to defend it. And and they use very similar post moves kind of every possession. Uh, They do this one move where a center – you know, sticks his butt out, gets inside position, knocks a guy completely off of defensive positioning in the post, and he just gets the easy inside entry pass, and they can scoop it up for a bucket. I mean, Arizona is an extremely good team. They're led by a good point guard, and they've got size, length, and speed all around the court. I would much rather wait to see them in New Orleans rather than uh, a city like Madison or, or, or Portland, Oregon. You know, I would much rather see them at the, at the Final Four rather than a regional game because Arizona is going to be a tough cookie. Awesome. Well, I think that is all from us here in the studio today. We miss you. We hope you have fun yeah. with your concert, and we will we'll see you later. But everybody else, we'll see you next week. Bye, Brian. Have Sounds a good, good. night, Thanks Brian. For me. Later, bud. Yeah. Later. Oh, I, 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 I'm interested in the question that you asked Brian last. I think I kind of want to answer it, and I know maybe Alex want to wants to answer it. About the team that like scares you, I got a couple teams here. Go for uh, it. The first team I'm see- I'm looking at this bracket is Virginia Tech. I do not want to be anywhere near Virginia Tech right now. Virginia Tech is red hot. They started the season I think two and seven. Don't quote me on that. That's like a something I heard on a TV broadcast a while ago. But they just they uh they just made it to. Did they win the ACC tournament? They yeah, won they, the they ACC tournament. Duke, they beat. Yeah. They killed Duke. Like it wasn't even close. And they're red hot right now. They shoot the ball very well. And I think the, especially for the teams that are looking to face them, like Purdue, I think Purdue should be very scared of that matchup. And another team I'd be worried about is Wisconsin. I, the stats don't like Wisconsin. Uh, some of the numbers that have been generated, all these, I guess, what we like to call on the show, nerd statistics, uh, don't like Wisconsin. So if I'm a team across from Wisconsin, I'm looking at them and saying, what's the deal with this team? Is this team actually good? 
And it, when you sit down and you start watching tapes of what Wisconsin is able to do when they're shooting the ball at least decently well, I don't want to play offense against a, a Wisconsin team. They're going to bully you. They're going to take lots of free throws. They're going to draw fouls, and they're going to play a physical game, and their starters are going to grind you out. Maybe Colgate beats them in the first round. Maybe. Maybe that trendy pick is something I'm missing, but uh, if especially if I'm Auburn, Kansas, Iowa, South Dakota State, all in this Midwest region, I think I'd just rather have Colgate take care of Wisconsin so I don't have to deal with that problem and focus on the games that are easy to prepare for. Yeah, I mean, if I had to pick one in there, uh, put it out there right now, they're going to be my bracket winner. It's happening. Uh, Kentucky, dude, it's a it's a it's a mean team uh, against top twenty five teams. They haven't been amazing this year, but they still ball out. Uh, uh, at, on average, they don't let teams score more than seventy points a game, sixty six point five to be exact, and they're scoring almost eighty points per game on average. Uh, conference this year, they were fourteen and four. Obviously, in sports, we all know conference play the most important thing that a, a anybody who plays sports has to know. Conference play is when it matters most. Yeah, outside conference games, they can be a little bit important. But when you have those outside games, that just shows you how much more interconference games are important, especially when it comes down to championship games and big times when it comes up. BPI ranked this year, they're third. And they're a two seed. Yep. So, honestly, to me, this team, they've got the, they've got the strength. They've got the shooting. They've got the power. they got a little bit of good – they got some good defense. I think they can do it. Alex – Who's the team you wouldn't want to play? Gonzaga. Gonzaga? Why? That's a fair answer. Because they're the best basketball team in the country. Yeah, that's actually the best. Uh, I'm going to keep it short because it <laughs> they're a buzzsaw right now. I mean, I don't have them winning the I don't have them winning the tournament, but I want to stay as far away from those Bulldogs as possible at this point. That's that's all I really have to say on that topic. Who who do you got winning your tournament? Uh, in our bracket that we're doing amongst the four of us, I have Duke winning it all. You got Duke winning it all? I, I mentioned on a previous episode that I'm a big fan of the Coach K going out on top of college basketball storylines. That yeah, that's For some reason in the world of sports, those storylines have a weird way of showing themselves. I mean, imagine, I remember Peyton winning the Super Bowl in his last ever NFL game. You, rem- you remember LeBron bringing a championship to Cleveland after a 3-1 to deficit in the finals. I mean, there's several instances of just – What's the word I'm looking for? Just, I guess, kind of fate working its way into sporting events. But one thing, one team that I am kind of on the lookout for that I think can make a pretty good, decent run out of it. Out of it, actually, I'm going to give you two. Number one, I got Loyola of Chicago because they always seem to come into this this tournament and then they always win about two or three games, make it to the Sweet 16 or so. Because I Sister Jean has some sort of weird power over that. Uh, that school also shout out St. Thomas uh, Millard North graduate in Millard, Nebraska, or technically Omaha, but Millard's a suburb of Omaha. And then um, Brian said that he doesn't feel that South Dakota State can get a run at Iowa. I think South Dakota State could beat Iowa. Now, <laughs> I have a very backwoods way of explaining this. So Charlie Easley is a kid that I went to high school with at Lincoln Pius the 10th high school in Lincoln, Nebraska. In his career, he, he started his career at Nebraska transferred to South Dakota State in his career against Iowa, 4-0 and against the Hawkeyes. So for some reason, that kid's scrappiness and his shooting always is too, way too much for those uh, Fran McCaffrey-led Hawkeyes. But, I mean, it, it, I just can't wait to, you know, sit down with you guys tomorrow, order food, and just watch basketball for 12 hours. Oh, it's going to be – it'll be fun, to say the least. 
I believe is that wrapping up. I got, I got some, I got, I got something to say. I, I'm gonna talk about my, my upset pick. I guess yeah, we didn't. This is not trendy by any means, and this is going against the grain of something Jules has said. Uh, I got Murray State beating Kentucky in the round of 32. Whoa. Murray State, the the nerd stats love them, and this is the one team I'm buying. Their record backs it up. I will always be cautious to use some of these advanced statistics if they if the teams don't put it on the court, or vice versa if a team is performs on the court and the stats doesn't like them. Kind of my logic with Wisconsin this year, but Murray State this year they're 30 and two. They uh, did not lose a single conference game. They w- they went through their their conference tournament fairly easily. Uh, they shoot well. They play. I think they play fairly good defense. I think Kentucky will give them fits uh, in that game. I'm um, I'm not guaranteeing a Murray State victory in Kentucky. This is kind of me just feeling it out, just trying to test the waters a little bit, pick it, trying to avoid the trends, and uh, taking my own little take on this one. So I got Murray State in the Sweet 16. I think Purdue will end that. I uh, I think Kentucky is a better team than Purdue, but I think just because I'm picking them for the one big upset, I don't know if they got two in them. So if I call this one, uh, I'll pat myself on the back. I'll pat you on the back too. If if not, you know we'll move on, and uh, I don't think anyone will be surprised. I guess yeah. Quick upsets. I gotta throw mine out there. First round, round of 64. Obviously, we all know Baylor is the worst of the four number one seeds. You're going. You're saying a 16 is gonna be to one. I'm gonna say a 16 is gonna be to one. It Whoa, happens. Okay. Once every four, ever. eight. Ever. Once ever. It's once ever, right? Yeah, yeah UMBC. Four, four years ago. UMBC yeah. oh. over Virginia. Yeah, yeah, yep. four years ago, 2018, and it wasn't even The close. Retrievers. Uh, but I think this close. Baylor team is a team that people have either overhyped to the point where, obviously, they're one seed. Give them that. Big writer of Norfolk State there. BPI rank, they are still seven, which for a one seed is terrible. But, you know, obviously, things happen. But going against the trends, we'll see if it happens. Can I quickly tell you why that will not happen? Yeah, go for it. Norfolk State is probably the worst team in the tournament. They've played one Power 5 slash Blue Bud this year, and that was Xavier, a team who debatably got snubbed from the tournament. But they, are they just fired not, their head coach. They too. are not in the tournament. Nonetheless, they lost by 40. Listen, Dude. if Norfolk State shows up, and they they got their lucky socks on. Uh, they'll maybe lose by twenty, but I'm expecting a forty plus point blowout in this game. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm gonna say we'll bold see prediction. Norfolk Norfolk State it. loses by forty five points. Yeah, yeah. You wanna hey, put some money on it? Listen, Are you I, put I money like on? I I I'm hey I'm gonna quickly defend Jules here. I it's, like it's no. upsets. They've no, got to no, no, happen. No, 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 no. I like no. I, I like the picks. I like I like getting thinking outside the box. Uh, some people are just filling out their brackets, picking the higher seeds. And they see the experts hyping up Chattanooga and Vermont and picking it. And I'm going to be honest. I bought into the hype a little bit with Vermont. I have Vermont going to the Sweet 16 this year. Is, uh, is either of you bought into the hype of Michigan beating Colorado State? Yes. Yeah? Yes. Okay. It, this is a, I, I watched too much. Wait, have we figured out if Juwan Howard's coaching that game or not? He is. He coached. He coached. He the then Big they'll Ten. lose by 20. He coached the Big Ten tournament. I, I don't, I'm not a fan of how Colorado State, some of the numbers on them. What are they, the Rams? The Colorado State Rams? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know. Michigan's hot. It's Big Ten basketball. Uh, they're they're due for a, a rebound. Obviously, not guaranteeing this by anything, but I am going to guarantee Baylor beats Norfolk State. All right. But I, I'm not guaranteeing. Bold predictions is what the show's all about, anyways. Bold predictions. Joe. See what happens. Uh, obviously, yeah. this is a bracket that, as Brian said before, brings a lot of confusion. Um, obviously, clearly, no cut winner will come out of this bracket unless somebody is. Hard set felt onto a team. Uh, we're going to do a quick break here. We're going to come back with p- 
quarter, not periods today, quarter number two. Can I say one thing real oh, quick? Yeah, what do you got? Nebraska women's basketball is winning the chip this year. All right. Yeah. Shout we out can, We can quickly, I don't know if you filled out a bracket, but I picked Iowa this year. Caitlin uh, Clark. Go Hawkeyes. I'm yeah. a massive I, Caitlin Clark fan, so. Yeah. Who is Hawkeyes. I don't. Yeah, I, I, I hate Iowa, but she is she is something to watch. Yeah. She's amazing to watch. That's my pick in that bracket. So good luck to the ladies. I know you guys don't get the the spotlight, but we'll, we'll bring some women's. Yeah, uh, stuff congratulations to everyone who made the, the tournament. Good luck, guys. Uh, Shout out to Alexis Markowski. Good luck, for ladies. Good luck, ladies. Good Thank luck, ladies. Good luck, ladies. All right, we're gonna go a quick break here, and we will be back with quarter number two. All right, so like I said before the show started, we are talking some baseball today. The new CBA was yes! signed a couple – what was the exact date? March 10th. March 10th, March 10th right? I called Kyle two minutes after your pace on tweeted it. That's correct. I was, I was, I was, in, so a, I was in a Forever 21 at the Gateway Mall in Lincoln, Nebraska with my girlfriend shopping, and I, ha- I had pace on tweet notifications on, and I'm like – Oh my God! There's no way. And then after in ce- after that happened, after I called Kyle in celebration, I went and bought this hat that I'm wearing from Lids. You know what was funny was I because it was a couple days before where they had officially uh, postponed the first full week of the regular season. Well, yeah, and then two days later, new CBA. Let's get baseball rolling. Full 162 game season. Obviously, I'm gonna go over here. Uh, well, later in the show with a little bit of the new CBA stuff. But right now we're talking hot plate. Uh, hot plate for a hot take. We're just doing a little bit of debate stuff here. We all kind of got a little bit of stuff ready. Before we get into it, though, I am just going to go over a quick, uh, I got a couple pages here in front of me of some signings and trades that a couple teams have done. Starting with the Braves, Braves recently have traded for Matt Olson, first baseman from the Oakland A's, and signed him on an eight-year extension, uh, opt-out in 2023, uh, there's a lot of stuff here, so we're going to try and go over it quick. Sia Suzuki, I believe if I said that right, is that correct? Sia. Sia Suzuki, thank you, has just signed with the Cubs on a free agency. Andrelton Simmons as well signed with the Cubs on free agency. Joe Kelly to the Chicago White Sox on free agency. That one surprised me a little bit. He will fit in fantastic at that place. Underrated move by the White Sox. I love Joe Kelly. Underrated move. We'll get more into that. We, we definitely will. Uh, Chase Petty traded to... Uh, traded from Minnesota to the Cincinnati Reds. A little bit sad to see that one. Good prospect pitcher, young guy coming up in the world. Sad to see him go as a Minnesota fan. Andrew Chafin signed as a free agent with the Detroit Tigers. Uh, Justin Verlander side signed with the Astros as a free agent for one year. Kurt Suzuki signed with the LA Angels as a free agent for one year. Clayton Kershaw re-signed with the LA Dodgers for one year. That was a bit of head-scratcher to a lot of people as a lot of people, including me, could think that he could have gotten somewhere for a good amount of money. Andrew McCutcheon signed with the Milwaukee Brewers for a one-year free agency deal. Eight and a half million on that one. Eight and a half million on it. I'm not counting out numbers. I'm just counting out years and people. Minnesota made a bunch of moves. A lot of questioning, I got to say. <laughs> Best part they did was get rid of Josh Donaldson. Uh, from the Yankees, they acquired Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela. After trading for Isaiah Kiner-Falefa from Texas and then immediately uh, getting rid of Mitch Garver to Texas, giving Isaiah to the Yankees for Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela, and then doing some trades, as I said before, with the Cincinnati Reds for Sonny Gray. New York Mets uh, traded Oakland for Chris Bassett, which we will talk about more on the show later as the Mets are on the talking block. 
Uh, Josh Donaldson, as I said, was traded to the New York Yankees, as well as Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. Kyle Schwarber signed with the Philadelphia Phillies as a free agent with a four-year contract uh, from 2022 to 2025. Uh, Carlos Rondon signed with the San Francisco Giants. I thought it was Rodon. It's Rodon. Is it Rodon? Names or whatever. Yeah, yeah he, he, I always get him confused for Anthony Rendon for some reason, but that's just, that's just a weird thing with me. Anyways, he signed a two-year contract with the Giants. Jesse Winker traded to Seattle. That'll see how he fits in there. Uh, as I said before, the Minnesota Twins traded Mitch Garver to the Texas Rangers. Matt Chapman also got traded from Oakland to Toronto. And Nelson Cruz, big, heavy, old hitter slugger, uh, just got traded to the Na- or, sorry signed with the Nationals. Fun fact. Juan Soto was born the year that Nelson Cruz signed his first contract. Uh, anyways, did you guys know that Juan Soto is under 22 years old? Mm-hmm. It's no like way. it's like what's his name with Wisconsin. Uh, anyways, is there anything like just obviously out of pure excitement of having baseball back? You guys want to talk about this period or quarter? Can we? This is a very. Uh, I know me and Kyle are two of the bigger baseball guys on this panel ouch i think we are the biggest i mean i don't know i'm up there i don't pay i don't pay as much attention to the minor league stuff as you Uh, you know i don't blame a twins fan for for taking a break from baseball gary sanchez we'll get into that very shortly but alex i'll let you talk here do you want to talk about how the nl central is going to pan out this year we can very quickly talk about that uh again for the second straight offseason the nl central has done almost nothing the nolan arenado trade was the big thing that happened in the nl central last year uh, the Cardinals have done, I think, nothing. Absolutely Literally nothing. nothing. I think the, I threw. No, I, no, no. I take. I signed Yadier Molina to that one-year contract. Correct. The Pirates picked up Heath Hembry and Daniel Vogelback. Brewers uh, traded for Renfro like hours before the lockout ended, and they added just added Andrew McCutcheon. The Cubs, I think, are the biggest the biggest splashers here in the NL Central. Um, Marcus Stroman before the lockout, probably the best starter in the starter week market that was available, and then uh, obviously Seiya Suzuki who I would like to quickly talk about real quick. I, I don't know about this one. I, I don't know. Like, And this is not like me smacking my hammer against the Cubs like I usually like to do. I just re- I really don't know. I don't know. That's a five-year contract, by the way, too. Yeah, five years, $85 million for that. So the thing with um, him is Japanese imports have not worked out for the Cubs in prior history. Uh, one guy comes to mind that I know most Cub fans aren't exactly going to like. Uh Kosuke Fukudome, he hit one home run in his career with the Cubs, and it was to tie the game, I believe, against the Brewers in the bottom of the ninth inning. And then he didn't get a hit for the rest of his career and then was sent to AAA, and then he went and ended up going back to Japan. He had a pretty, su- pretty successful rest of his career there. But I, I'm really confused to see how the Cubs are going to pan out this year because I feel like they have enough pitching to the point where I won't be worried about starters because you got Stroman, Hendricks, Wade Miley, Alec Mills is still in the fray there. I mean, I know Alec Mills, but you don't. I know Kyle hates Alec Mills because he threw a no hitter against I the Brewers that one time. I but mean, uh, uh, best case scenario for the Cubs this year, I think they are a three. I think they're a three in the uh, NL Central this year. Maybe probably three. I'd say Brewers probably win it. Cardinals two, Cubs three, Pirates four, Reds five. Because what are the Reds doing this uh, off season? But I'm just not sure. I mean, I hope that this kid actually does well. I just think the Cubs need to sign. I know Correa is still on the market. I know the Cubs have enough money to sign him, but 
I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I don't know. Uh, for me, I think I agree with how you order those teams as it stands right now. The Reds are something I didn't forget to mention, so thank you for bringing that up. The Reds have shipped off pretty much anyone notable there, not named Luis Castillo or like Tyler Maley. Are the Mo- Molly and um, Joey Votto. Yeah, Votto is still there. Uh, Jonathan India is still there. Although, if I was Jonathan India, I would, I would be very, Run. I would be very upset right now. So I don't know. I think the NL Central is quiet as usual. Uh, there aren't many big market teams. Uh, the Cubs are the only big market team. I I'd say the Cardinals. The Cardinals are, are a larger market, and the the Brewers, uh, Reds, and Pirates are all probably bottom ten, top bottom the, with the park, bottom with the, fifteen. The park with the, that the Pirates have, they should be a large market. Which team. is unfortunate. Uh, I would like to quickly shift the the topics here, and uh, I don't know. I know. We talked a little bit before the lockout was official, and I think we all kind of unanimously agreed. I don't know if Alex is even on the show at this time. Mm-mm. That the Rangers were the winners pre-lockout. Yeah, Marcus Simeon. Uh, Simeon, they get. Who else did they get? Uh, Corey Seager with a ten uh-huh. a ten year deal. They've made some trades. Uh, I think them losing on Kershaw was probably a little sour. I know they were in on Kershaw. Kershaw wasn't going to do a lot with that roster anyway, though. So I don't. I don't know. Think I don't think for me that the winner has particularly changed. But a team I would like to mention is the Mets. Uh, the Mets, the Mets, Mets getting Scherzer, and now I know the Mets are ac- actively shopping for more starting pitching. They signed another starter the other day, uh, if you can think of that name. Chris uh, Barrisett? No, believe. Chris Bassett. He Bassett. graduated from Nebraska. Chris Bassett. I don't, did they sign Bassett? They, yep. si- they signed Bassett? They signed him from the Bassett. They and traded him. They for, traded for sorry, Bassett. They, let, me, let me rephrase this real quick. Adam Oliver and JT Jin went to Oakland, and uh, Chris Bassett came from Oakland. Yeah, so it's a trade. It's a trade. So, yeah. So, I don't know. The, I think the Mets are going to be a lot better this year. The Mets are also have uh, a few candidates on their team that are primed for a bounce back. So, I think people should be looking at them. And, you know, you can sit there and say, lull Mets all you want. And you can. The, the Mets have a hell of a pitch. You can, and you can, you can laugh at the Mets. Uh, but I'm looking at the Mets right now. And I'm seeing a team where I'm like, no matter how, you know, cursed or whatever in the, is in the <laughs> air here in the Big Apple, wh- whatever it is, I, this team. It it'd be tragic if they underperformed. It would, it'd be like historically bad. The if thing this is, team we we say that win like ninety games. We say game. that every year, and then they somehow continue to underperform. I mean, and uh, dude, just looking at their starting five alone: Trevor Williams, Carlos <laughs> Crasco, Tajon Walker, Max Scherzer, Jacob Degrom. Just Trevor Williams sucks. He's Listen. their fifth starting pitcher. Yeah, but he's. A bullpen arm at best. I watched him on the Cubs for 80 games last year. I wanted to rip my hair out every single time he pitched. Keep going here. I mean, not every team is going to have the best starting five possible. At most, you have Uh, an ace and two good secondary starters. We'll get to this. Fourth and fifth are hot and cold. We'll get to this. Or a lot more cold. But I'm looking at this, and I see two aces on this roster card. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, We'll we're going to talk about this in past. The, the Mets, the Mets won seventy-seven games. Yeah, they won seventy-seven games last, last year. I'm looking for a thirteen-win improvement, at least. So ninety games for I am ex- Kyle. Well, I said at least. I'm fully expecting Francisco Lindor to come back. Some of the analytics say that he'll bounce back, and plus, this is Francisco Lindor. He's arguably he before the discussion before last season was Francisco Lindor is the best shortstop in baseball. I'm not on that train anymore. But I, he will bounce back. Pete Alonso is still very good. You still have pieces like Jeff McNeil, Michael Conforto. The bullpen is a little shaky, but they'll find arms out there. Uh, they're almost they're kind of due for something like that. 
And I know their division is tough. The Braves are good. The Marlins are getting better. The Nationals have convinced themselves they can compete <laughs> along with the Phillies. Uh, so all those teams are kind of in it. This isn't like an NL Central easy breeze by division or the AL Central. The Central divisions kind of just suck. I'll throw that out there very, very quickly. Eh. But they all they have to do is win 90 games. And when you have Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom pitching, what, for, 40% of your games, <laughs> if you don't win 90 games, that's a damn shame. I mean, and even just looking at the rest of their depth chart, obviously going to the right side of their depth chart is nothing beautiful. But right now, if you look at their predicted opening day lineup, you got DeGrom starting, Seth Louis Lugo mm-hmm. at relief pitcher, Edwin Diaz closing, James McCann behind the plate, Pete Alonso at first, Robinson Cano at second, Eduardo Escobar at third, Francisco Lindor at short, Mark Cahana, Ca- Canna. Canna, thank yep. you, in left field, Sterling Marte in center, Brando Nimmo, Brandon Nimmo. Nimmo, thank you, and at right, and Dominic Smith DHing. Which is cr- I mentioned Jeff McNeil earlier, and Jeff McNeil currently does not have a job on this team. I completely forgot about the Mark Canna trade, a trade I really wanted the Brewers to go out and make because I'm a massive fan of what Mark Canna is able to do. Uh, actually, I believe Jeff Jeff McNeil is not in the starting lineup, but he's yes. still on this team. He is still on the team. The Mets are, I think, shopping him right now. Yeah. Uh, Robinson Cano coming back is it could be big for this team. I don't think Robinson Cano really has it anymore, but I'm he, sure he'll he be. He's also still battling with injuries too. So I'm sure he'll still he'll be he's solid. Uh, right I'm not going to say anything until we get to pass or shoot because yes, I know sir. the Mets are one of our yes. topics. So why don't we just move on to that so I can actually argue why the Mets will be god awful again next year? All right. Uh, Sounds yeah. great to me. We're uh, you guys don't want anything? You got I. I, we can I sit. I think we're good. Patrick I mean, we Wisdom's hitting 162 homers this year. That's we, all. It. We we could sit and talk about baseball for hours. Let's and hours. let's quickly go over. Let's quickly go over a couple. One more thing. Go for it. There is there is aha uh-huh, three. I'll say three. Very big free agents still out there. Uh, four. I'll say four and four and a half. That's what I'll, that's what I'll a end half? on. Half. Yeah. Four and a half. Nicholas Castellanos is is big, but he's not going to get a big deal. There's a drive in the deep left field. Uh, Carlos Correa is the very big one. He's yes. still out there. Uh, Freddie Freeman. It, there's kind of a caveat here. I think the the teams that are fo- still focusing in on Freddie Freeman have kind of been finalized. I'll quickly mention that there. Trevor Story is the other big one. Chris Bryant, and then I said Nick Castellanos, like I mentioned earlier. Those are the five big guys left. Uh, the field is is thinning. Uh, I think there's some teams that. We're kind of sitting on their hands after the lockout and are, are thinking to themselves, uh, this is not good. We, we waited too long. Everyone's kind of going away. Uh, what's one team both of you would like to see to grab one of these guys? I would love for the Cubs to get Castellanos because he performed very well in Chicago when he was on the Cubs for that half little te- like half of the season before he went to the Reds. And he would fill that DH role very, very well. And you could also, he he he's not great in the field, but he, He's better than Kyle Schwarber, but it's I I'd love for the Cubs to get Castellanos because he loves he loves Chicago. Chicago loves him, and I feel like you could pr- pr- probably get him at a relatively decent price as well. Plus, I'd, lo- I'd love to make more jokes. Oh, God, um, I'm I'm not gonna lie here. I think originally it was up in the air that Freeman could have been going to New York. Uh, not anymore. Going again, pinstripes. No, no Rizzo. New York just resigned Rizzo. Uh, they could have gotten Correa or Freeman or both at that point. They got Falefa and Rizzo. <laughs> I Shout out Anthony Rizzo, though. Love the guy. I, I've been on top of the fence for the past five years with the Dodgers, whether or not I hate them or whether or not I like them. Uh, I can see the Dodgers picking up uh, Freddie Freeman and for a large amount of cash. Uh, I will bring this up into next uh, period because it's one of our t- or quarter because it's one of our topics. Quarter. Uh, 
Freddie Freeman wants a lot of money. Yeah, because he's worth it. And he wants a good amount of years. He wants five to six years for $180 million. We forget that he's been in the league for 15 years, too. That's, that's crazy to think about. He will play that full six years. That's why he wants it. I think that the Dodgers are a team that can give him that full six years because the Dodgers either go out and they buy players for extraordinary prices just to get rid of them a couple seasons later, or they buy players who want like players who want the money. The Dodgers say, cool, we'll give it to you. You're going to be here for a while. Work with us. And I think the Dodgers are going to look at Freddie Freeman and think, this guy wants a five-year contract, six-year contract, $180 million. We don't have a first baseman. Yeah. Justin Turner, that's their first baseman. Max Muncy. Max Muncy. Yeah, Muncy. You Which, play MLB The Show, Max Muncy gets sent down to double-A the, after the first season. Not true, but he My coming, off, coming is, off an injury, Freddie, yes. Max Muncy and Justin Turner are not reliable first basemen for a L.A. team. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, this Dodgers team, won a World Series, past couple of years, they went to another Mickey one. Mouse chip. Won the Mickey Mouse chip. Yes, they did. That's fair. Freddie Freeman's going to help him get him there. Again. He's not going to the I'm, I'm going to quickly hone in before we hop into the, our next uh, quarter here. Uh, I agree with this Freddie Freeman take, and I think if you are in the AL East, you are doing everything possible to make sure that Freddie Freeman comes to your team and not the other teams in the AL East. The Red Sox could use yeah. Freddie Freeman. The Yankees have taken themselves out of it because they're the Yankees. I, they just don't know what they're doing. <laughs> The Blue Jays, if they get Freddie Freeman, they are winning that division by five games. Jesus Christ. Five Corners games. be Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Freddie Freeman. No, don't forget Matt Vladdy, Chapman. Vladdy's DHing would be yep. DHing. Oh, Matt right, Chapman, because too. Matt Chapman. Jesus. And if you are the Rays, you, you're, you get Freddie Freeman. You get your superstar. Keep in mind, Freddie's not settling. Also keep in mind, Teoscar Hernandez is still on that Blue Jays team, too. You might be out of a job if they get yeah. Freddie Freeman, which and is crazy to cra- think. Because he, he'd be... He's four hitter really on he's him, on him or Randall Gritchick stand, stand to lose their job. Freddie if, Freeman will not settle either. He, he's not going to look. I mean, uh, what are the uh, Braves already? De- he declined an offer from the Braves bef- mm-hmm. post lockout, 135 mil for five years. He's estimated to go 160. He wants Listen, 180. And then the, uh, the other team. settle for anything less than The other team in the AL East that needs Freddie Freeman right now is the Tampa Bay Rays. I would love the for The Tampa Bay Rays, Rays, they've been the perennial winners in this division. Yep. Whether you like it or not, they are a small market team. They're smart. They're crafty. They're, if they get their superstar, you get your protection for Wander Franco. I know you just signed Franco to a very a big extension, team-friendly extension in my opinion. A great extension, great move in the offseason, underrated. You get those two hitters. And you know the Rays will piece people together. They made Joey Wendell look good last year. They can make anyone look good. They will be good if they get Freddie Freeman. Otherwise, I think the Blue Jays just have too much star power for them. I got a question. Can Wander Franco still win Rookie of the Year next year? No, he played way too many. He games. had too much service time. I'm, I'm positive he had way too many games. Okay, I didn't. I just didn't know. Yeah. So no, the new. Well, actually, it could be a possibility. I believe the new way that is measured with the CBA is. A full 162-game season, and then you're eligible. But if you go over, you are not. No, that he is not eligible because right now, Bobby Witt Jr. opens as the betting favorite behind Spencer Torgelson and Adley Rutschman, who Adley Rutschman probably won't even come up until halfway through the year again. Yeah. And the NL, just for reference, O'Neill Cruz, Kiebert Ruiz, and Bryson, Bryson Stott are the favorites over there. Uh, the O'Neill Cruz one is kind of interesting, so I think we should talk about that another episode. Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely be down to. But we are going to end this quarter, and we're going to hop into quarter number three. We're bringing back pass or shoot. We got three topics for the day. 
And uh, <laughs> uh, you guessed it. They're all baseball related. We'll be right back and uh, we'll bring you some more baseball. All right, quick break, but we're back. Uh, number one for pass or shoot. We got three topics on the day. They are, <laughs> they're good. Kyle came up with these ones this week. Uh, I got to say, good job. Great job. You're taking my credit for doing it every Great other week, job. too. <laughs> no, Kyle does them every week. The best yeah. questions. I think I give maybe once. Yeah, you give, yeah, I, I think I, give say like I do it. I do every question. That's not true. I do not do every question. Anywho. Obviously, it is a statement. You got to give me your answer, and then you got to give me uh, give me a little bit of reasoning. You will be set to a timer. I am joining since Brian is not here this week, so I did a little bit of research my own. Uh, Kyle, I'm gonna have you go first. We're gonna do 90 seconds since it's oh, baseball. We're oh, upping oh, it from oh. 60 to 90 because it is baseball. Uh, the bigger thing with this, their topics. I can almost guarantee we're going to argue about, which will yes. make it even better. So uh, if all uh, after each topic, sorry, we'll have another 90 seconds open to all talk about it. No interruptions. Kyle, you have 90 seconds. Topic number one, the Braves made the right decision by bringing in Olsen over Freeman. You got 90 seconds. All right, let me quickly pull something up here. Uh, I will quickly start off by saying uh, I am shooting this one. Uh, this is an unpopular opinion. I know Freddie Freeman is a fan favorite, and very rightfully so. But you have traded for Matt Olson. He is 27 years old. He has won two gl- gold gloves. Uh, he's an all-star. He's got a good bat. He's got crazy power. Uh, he's going to get an upgrade going to Atlanta over the Coliseum because that park blows for hitting home runs, mm-hmm. and he was still doing that. A very nice clip. Uh, and like I said, he's 27. He's in his prime, and all it costs you was realistically is Christian Pache. Christian Pache is a very good prospect. He struggled a little bit last year, so maybe you're you're giving away next to nothing and some of the other guys in this trade are worth something. But you extended him what was it, eight years, hundred and ninety million? That's about what Freddie Freeman's gonna cost you for about five and a half years if if you're gonna do the math. So you are getting basically three and a half years uh extra of for a first baseman who is gonna be slightly worse than Freeman. Uh but you could also argue Freeman, he's 32. The prime, uh, a lot of people say it ends when you turn 33. I don't think that's the case for Freddie Freeman. I'm going to give him some credit. I'm sure he will play good. But Olsen is debatably a better fielder. Freeman is not debatably, is the better hitter. And I know he's the franchise guy. But I think what people will come to find, you you get Matt Olsen to Atlanta. He's from Atlanta, Georgia. He was born and raised there. This is his team. He took a team-friendly deal to be there. And if you're a Braves fan upset about this move, uh, you're a moron because Matt Olson's going to rake for you this year. Alex, I'm going to have you go next. I like you, by the way. Uh, 90 seconds. You got the clock. I'm also going to shoot this one. I agree with every point that Kyle made 100%. I mean, it's it's a hometown kid coming to play for his hometown team. I mean, baseball doesn't get much better than that. I mean, he's... He's a great first baseman defensively as well as a great power hitter. I mean, he's got a very awkward batting stance. I'll give him that. It looks very weird, at least uh, when you're watching it. I saw him take BP the other day, and it looked uh, a little weird. But, I mean, nonetheless, whatever works, works. But in uh, in these two guys' careers, uh, Freddie only has 35 more at-bats than um, Mr. Olsen. Uh, he has 19 more runs, 17 more hits. 
He's you know, he's he's beating him in most uh, statistical categories except for uh, doubles, triples, home runs, RBIs, stolen bases, and batting average. And batting average usually isn't the end all be all of baseball stats. I mean, you can still have a very very good season if you're hitting two fifty two or something. I mean, nope. I feel I feel like nope. if, you're, if you're hitting over about two fifty, I feel like you're that's that's a pretty good season. If I you can you can win an MVP nowadays. Hitting over 250. Yeah. There's people in the Hall of Fame with less than 300. I mean, yeah, it, it's crazy to think about. But I I think that the Braves did make the right move, bringing in Matt Olson. I'm really excited to see what uh, or how that pans out for the Atlanta Braves. But I think now with that move, this is a bold take. I feel like the Braves' chances of repeating as World Series champions went up astronomically. Uh I'm Alex Ovechkin. This one from the face-off circle. It's, it's a shot. It's it's a guaranteed make. Uh, you look at their last year numbers side by side. Obviously, looking at one year, isn't the end-all, be-all of anything. Uh, but like you said, money. You get Matt Olson for a hundred and eighty million over. Or it was close to that. I don't. Hundred eighty, hundred sixty, somewhere in there, over. Uh, 168 mil over the course of eight years. Had it right here in front of me. Cheaper than I thought. Uh, you know, I said before, Freddie Freeman wants 180 for six. Uh, he declined 135 for five. When it comes down to money and you look at the stats between these two, Matt Olson's played significantly less seasons. Freddie Freeman, as you said, is getting older. Not old. He's getting up there. Uh, but if you look at last year's, they uh quite comparable. Freddie Freeman... 159 uh, games. Matt Olson, 156. Freddie Freeman with a 300 slugging percentage. Matt Olson with a 271. Uh, sorry, batting average. Slugging percentage. Uh, Freddie, 503. Matt Olson, 540. Uh, hits. Freddie Freeman, obviously, we're talking about he's significantly the better hitter. Uh, all in all, though, Matt Olson still brings in a lot more runs and a lot more home runs than Freddie Freeman did last year. And what wins baseball games? Home runs nowadays. That's uh, home runs. I think we can, uh, instead of debating, do you want to quickly talk, think, a little, yeah, you we, talk a little bit more? It's 60 seconds on the clock just so we don't waste time, but, I mean, we're all unanimous on this one. Uh, Unless you guys got something to add. Yeah. I, I mean, I will I will say very quickly, uh, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't say uh, a lot of people, I know, it, it sucks letting go of your franchise guy. And I understand the adjustment period that Braves fans right will have to go through. He just won you a World Series, so it, it leaves a very sour taste in your mouth. But I pro- Matt Olson is a very likable person. Aves fans love him. They rave about him, and that's for good reason. He's a very good baseball player. He's likable. I, I, just, I He's the hometown kid. I mean, he came pretty close to winning the Home Run Derby last year, didn't he? I feel like he was in yeah, that Yeah, he had a good showing in the yeah. Home Run Derby. He's got great power. He'll play pretty good in that ballpark. He'll fit in right with the team. And his cheap contract just let you sign Eddie Rosario earlier today. Like yes. it added money to your team to reinvest in the team that helped you win a World Series. So uh, you have no reason to be upset about this. It's, right. it's really as, a, as just a baseball unless, fan in general. Unless you're just a Braves fan that randomly hates A's fans, uh, there's yeah. or A's players, A's <laughs> in general. Uh, it's I, I'm having PTSD trying to say the the Braves because on sidelines you're not allowed to say any uh, you're not allowed to say Kansas City Chiefs or Atlanta Braves so I'm trying to k- stay stay away from them just uh, wow. as a yeah. ritual. 
We are not a rated G school radio station. Yet. Uh, Anyways, let's go into take number two. We will never be rated G. I will never let that happen. (laughs) Anyways, going straight into take two. We were talking about this a little bit before. We're bringing it up again because it's going to be dicey. We're keeping it to uh, 90 seconds. Uh, The Mets are favorite in the NL East. I'm going to go first just to start it off. I don't have much to say. I'm just going to read out a stat card, (sighs) stat line. Uh, I don't think they're favored. I think they're good for a third or second place finish. I think they could make a push for first solely based off of their starting pitchers. Um, Obviously, Tijon Walker is not amazing. He's hurt. He's not going to be amazing this year. He's going to be slightly average, slightly below average. So is their fourth and fifth starter. But when you have Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom in the same bullpen, there's going to be a lot of games that for teams that are coming to New York that have to face Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer in the same series, there's going to be a lot of starts to games that start very slow for other teams. And uh, looking at this Mets lineup, I think – you know, I guess I haven't even looked into how they've played in the past, but if the Mets can somehow figure out how to start games on a high note this year, <laughs> I think they can figure out a way to win games, but I think they have to get ahead of it early, and that's the only way I can see them winning games. Um, you know, obviously, big polar bear Pete was a great hitter uh, two years ago, kind of slowed down a little bit last year. If a little bit of something that can come back again, that's another big thing that helps this team out a lot. Uh, but I, I really don't think they're favorites. I think they're good. I think they're good for a second place finish. Shocking to see him at third. I think it'd be shocking to see him at first. Uh, that, that's that's all I gotta say for it. Uh, who do we got speaking order? Kyle, in ninety seconds. Uh, I got no numbers. I got no stats. I have brought common sense to the table today. Uh, so I'm gonna flat out say it. Are the Mets the favorites right now? No. The defending World Series champions are the favorites, but the uh-huh. Mets should be the favorites in this division. They have the better offense. And if you like the Braves, then you should like the Mets because the Mets are doing the same thing the Braves are doing. They, bra- they bring in his, like hitters who don't hit for great averages, Mark Canna and Eduardo Escobar. But they, they, they drive in runs, and they hit home runs. You add that on top of Francisco Lindor, who I said earlier, I think he will bounce back. Pete Alonso, great player. I, James McCann literally cannot be worse, so I think James McCann will even be better. Uh, Michael Conforto, I, I'm a big fan of Michael Conforto, and what he does, he'll add that average hitter to your lineup. Jules said it, he mentioned the pitching staff. The pitching staff is pretty good. I, I'm not a fan of Tywan Walker. I think he sucks. I think Tywan Walker is probably the worst pitcher in their rotation. Uh, Williams is worse than Tywan no, Walker. I, I, that's my hot take. I'd rather I'd take anyone over Tywan Walker, but Scherzer and DeGrom will win you games. And uh, Carlos Carrasco is a innings eater. He'll eat innings Cookie. for you. Uh, Cookie, shout out, shout out to you. Hope you're doing all, all right after beating cancer. Uh, and then uh, the the bullpen, it, it scares me a little bit. But you know who else's bullpen scares me? The Braves. I don't like the Braves bullpen. They performed great in the playoffs last year. But I don't, I don't, I'm not a fan. They weren't good in the regular season. I don't think they'll be good in the regular season again this year. Playoffs are a different breed. I would take the Braves in a playoff series over the Mets, but that's just me. Uh, but as of as it stands right now, uh, uh, I think you're being a little ridiculous if you don't think the Mets have any kind of real shot at winning that division this year. 
Alex, I noticed you were making a lot of noise while both of us were talking, so now it is your turn. 90 seconds. Yo. I'm not saying there's no chance that they're going to win the win the NL East. There's a small chance, but there is no way that right now I think this team can finish in the as the top team in this um, division. They didn't have a single player on their roster last year that played more than 80 games who hit over 260. They cannot hit the baseball. They, 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 whenever their pitchers are good, they get no run support. Whenever their pitchers suck, they get run support. It's no in-between with this team. Yes, Scherzer and DeGrom will win you games, but the only time that they win games is when DeGrom stays healthy because he's the best pitcher in baseball whenever he is healthy. But DeGrom cannot stay healthy for some reason, and that's been something that's kind of bitten him in his career. Scherzer, yes, he's, he's a great pitcher, but on the other hand... He's been with the Nationals and the Dodgers technically is in his entire career, but he's towards the. I think he's towards the tail end of his career. He's. He, I noticed a little bit last year. He lost a little bit of velocity on those fastballs that he's been throwing. I mean, his spin rate went down, but everybody's spin rate went down when uh, the MLB cracked down on the foreign substances type thing. I think at best this team is a second place finish behind the Braves by two and a half games. But I, I'm I'm gonna digress before I blow a blood vessel in my brain, but. I just don't think this team has a realistic shot right now. Right now, it could change as the season goes on. I don't think they have a realistic shot right now of being the number one team in that NL East division. Yeah, give me that debate segment. Uh, we'll go sixty me. seconds for it. Uh, very, Locked. very, very quickly. I don't know where this narrative of Jacob Degrom is already always hurt has come from. This is his first time being injured in like a while last year. I know, like he he's thrown almost two hundred innings. Every, except for last year in, in the last five years. I mean, have people forgotten his 2018 season? Uh, he threw 217 innings, 1.7 ERA. That's great. And guess what? He's been just as good ever since. He's comes close to the 200-inning mark almost every year since then, except for last year. And he still threw 140 innings last year. That's great. That's all I want from him. Uh, he's he's really, really, really good. Uh, I I don't know. Sure, the 2020 season and 2021 season, he didn't throw many innings. That's fine. The thing, the thing. Uh, let me just say something real quick. The thing that I okay, yes, maybe I was a little bit laxative on the full. He's always hurt situation. The thing with me is the Mets cannot give their starting pitchers run support, and that's just been something that's bugged them that entire franchise's career. That entire franchise, they've been, they haven't been able to give their pitchers run support when once again when they're good the batting's not good when they're bad the batting is good for some reason and it's just been that vicious cycle for the Mets ever since the early 2000s since David Wright took over that team looking at a nine-man batting roster I can see four names right here that can start to help them this upcoming season with runs this is, this is what I'm saying maybe Pete Alonso Eduardo Escobar Francisco Lindor and Sterling Marte. Those are four I, I names. forgot about Marte. Mark Canna's going to be good. Mark Michael yeah. Conforto like, like literally hasn't had like a really bad season ever except for last year. Yeah, 232 here's, last year. Here's why. Here's, thank you. Except that's, for that's last what, year. That's what I just said. <laughs> the only way, and Alex has been saying it, and we said it earlier, the only way this team finishes any lower than second is if for some reason the New York Mets curse just pops out of nowhere midseason while this team's rolling on a street. The same thing that's happening with the Mets right now happened to the Cubs for 80 years since they won that last since they won that last World Series in 1908 and I didn't witness <laughs> it with my own eyes but listen I there's no such thing as curses maybe in the Cubs case but in the Mets case we're just making shit up at this point uh 
I think the problem with New York teams in general, they are plagued by poor management. Yes. And guess what? I don't like the Mets owner. But you know what he does is he spends money, and he spends a lot of it. If the Mets want to fix their problems, they can throw money at it. And I'm not usually a fan of it, but when you throw money at smart moves and you make good moves and you have faith in the players that you've invested in, you're going to get results. And maybe this is me underrating the Braves, and that's why I'm saying the Mets should be the favorites. But I'm not going to lie. Looking at this, like, in-depth looking at this roster card, I kind of want to watch the Mets game this summer now. If the Mets the, are going to be good. If the Mets don't win anything in the next four years, they're going to be in a cap hell in Listen, six that's, years. Listen, that's, that's not my problem. We're talking about this year. What, I, what's, what's Lindor's contract? Is it $264 million? It's over 300 Yeah, it is. I'm going to look this up just because that's probably one of the stupidest contracts in baseball right now. But the pro- the problem with, with what like the, this whole cap idea is people don't you understand. Don't think Garrett Cole's contract is? People don't understand how rich Steve Cohen is and how much money the Mets have to spend. Uh, when it comes down to it, your team is only as good as as the players you are when you put on the field. And when the Mets have a bad player, they can throw $100 million at a better one. Garrett Cole's contract is $324 million for nine years for a pitcher who has been very, very good. Who's going to win like probably two more Cy Youngs. Listen, I... You don't have to like Garrett Cole. I don't think anyone really likes Garrett Cole. I, I to don't. Be honest. Th- I don't think Lindor is going to win another MVP in his career. No. Three hundred and forty-one million dollars for ten years, fifty million dollars deferred, and he will be paid five million dollars a year starting in twenty thirty-two. This is Bobby Bonilla. Fuck. This is Bobby Bonilla levels of bad contracts by Steve Cohen. I don't think it's a bad contract. I. Though I watched a lot of Mets games last year just because the Cubs played them for about like a 13-day span for some reason in the middle of the games last year. I don't understand how people haven't left that team yet, and they don't have any good bullpen pitching either. Edwin Diaz sucks. He sucks. I just I don't understand the logic. I, I know that what the Mets put on the field last year was not pretty, and I know the whole thumbs-down situation and, and whatnot, but this no. team literally cannot be worse. I'm not going to lie. If they could somehow get a good closer, I think their pitching problems are completely solved. If they got their relief pitching is Seth Lugo, Trevor May, and Miguel Castro. If those are three good relievers. If they got three a closer, I would high be... High average relievers. If they sign a good closer in the first month and a half of baseball, I don't think they have pitching problems this at, year. At the trade deadline. If they if get a they closer, got... they're fine. I will tell you who will be available at the trade deadline. Josh Hader is always shopped at the trade deadline. Craig Kimbrell. The Brewers love to hang Josh Hader over people's face. The White Sox have like three closers now. If can, Alex Colomay magically has another se- good season, do we have any closing pitchers that are free agents right now? Um, I'm looking at Kirby up. Yates signed with the Mariners, and that was the big one. But listen, I, the Mariners got one more take. Mariners were a very lucky team last year, and Kirby Yates could be getting shopped come deadline again. If you haven't figured it out already, we're already an hour in, and we still have another take to go and another period. Uh, we're making it elongated. We haven't had a regular show. We're excited. If Brian were here, this would easily be a two-hour episode. Archie Bradley's still available right now, too. <laughs> Don't touch Archie Bradley. Just Edwin Diaz is better than Archie Edwin Bradley. Diaz. So Craig as Kim- much as we make fun of Edwin Diaz. I think Diaz. if the Mets can get Craig Kimbrell like about halfway through the season, he was good with the Cubs last year. Listen, I know you like Craig Kimbrell because he was Kimbrell good, with the, he was good, good with the Cubs. No, he, he was not good on the White Sox. Craig Kimbrell sucked with the Red Sox, and Craig Kimbrell sucked with the White Sox, and he was good with the Cubs. I see two out of three performances with teams that were bad. No, the thing with the If c- you want another Edwin Diaz on your team, and if you believe in curses with the Mets, there is no chance that Craig Kimbrell is good on the Mets. Let me, so let me say something about Kimbrell real quick. The thing with him with the White Sox was they Tony La Russa, who is an idiot, by the way, Tony La Russa had him pitching the eighth inning as a closer. 
Kimbrel can. It, it's a it's a mental thing with the closers. They love the pressure of being out there to finish games. If you put them out there for the eighth inning, it doesn't matter because then if you if they let in two runs on a three run lead, they don't have to pitch in the ninth. Craig Kimbrel, he's gone on record saying. It's a mental thing. He had a he had an above five ERA with the White Sox last year. He let Andrew Romine hit a grand slam off of him. He played two MLB games before that grand slam, and then he hit a home he hit a grand slam off of a future Hall of Fame closing pitcher. I have just before we move I, on, I, I, I have an alternative hypothesis to this. Craig Kimbrell sucks. It doesn't matter doesn't what inning what when he's pitching in, and he didn't deserve the ninth. Liam Hendricks is the best closer in the AL, and he that's won just an all, he was an all star, and that's just facts. Uh, He's not going to go to a new team and Liam take Hendricks Liam Hendricks on a team. Craig Kimbrell does not become the closer; he becomes okay. I, a yeah, so maybe setup. I maybe he I shouldn't blame Craig Kimbrell. Craig, Craig Kimbrell got traded to a team. That's not going to utilize him yes, properly. That's, that's exactly that's what I'm not saying. his fault, and he's not going to be good again. So then, if the Mets somehow yes. figure out to utilize yes. him, Trevor May has good stamina. Yes. On the Twins, he averaged three to four innings as a relief pitcher. Yes, he also uh, does great Twitch streams, by the way. Seth Lugo does the same, where he averages three to four innings as a relief pitcher. If Craig Kimbrell gets onto this Mets teams mm-hmm. and the relief pitchers can take him to yes. the ninth inning, I can see a world where Craig Kimbrell solves this pitching problem for the Mets. He, ever since he got that little 12-6 to 6 slider, so that little slurve that he throws, he has been a totally revamped pitcher. I watched if, it with my own eyes for 25 saves last year. If he does not, if he is not utilized, he is not worth anything. Exactly. If he is used properly, and now coming from a pitcher who used to start games and pitch full games as a prof- – I'm not even saying professional. As high school pitchers, if you go from freshman year starting full games to senior year closing games, when you go through college and you go to the MOB, there is a big mindset play where you say, I have never pitched in the past five years any more than two innings at a time. That is a very, very, very big confidence boost or confidence downgrade depending on what situation you're in. Seeing how much he pitched one inning per game with the Cubs and seeing how he pitched multiple innings with the White Sox. and He, pitched, mul- he just pitched the eighth. He's a setup man. He's not a setup man. He has the ability to close out games. In the uh, Anyways, we're moving on. Yeah, let's move that on. Was let's a, let's a please move on. Elongated sixty seconds. Uh, I could only imagine what it have been. Six hundred seconds. If Brian would have been here. Two earned uh, runs in thirty six hey, innings. I just said we're moving on, oh, Alex. Yep, I'm oh, done. Don't care. I'm done. I'm done. Uh, take number three. Before I announce that, well, okay. The new CBA is good for the game of baseball. Before we get into it, I'm gonna go over a couple things. Uh, there is. What do we got here? Uh, there's 14 uh, new terms in this year's CBA with a couple backlash things and a couple downgraded things. Uh, I'm going to go through a quick 5-10 minutes, uh, just read some stuff off. Opening day this year will be on April 7, 2022 with a full 162-game schedule to be played. The season will be extended by three days to permit one of the two series that have been canceled at the beginning of the season. Most of games will be made up in double, oh, sorry, double headers, full nine innings. Uh, players must report to spring training on March 11th, so that was five days ago. So they've been there for four days. I believe tomorrow is the first start day of games. Uh, this new CBA agreement is lasting until December 1st of 2026. Term number two, the extended playoffs. 
going from 10 teams to 12 teams starting 2022. The two division winners with the best records in each league will receive a bye. The third division winner with the highest seed in the first round and the wild card team with the best record of the next. These two teams will host three games of the first round round series starting mar starting in 2023 all teams will play each other including teams in both nl and al the more balanced schedule quote-unquote more interleague play will be permitted there is no more game 163 in case of ties that will be decided in a tiebreaker uh still for uh, formula still to be determined and playing with some new rule changes, the universal designated hitter will be used in both AL and NL starting this year. No more seven-inning double headers, and no more ghost runners and extra innings. Gone for now. Stay away. Don't come back. Coming 2023, larger bases, first, second, third, will go from 15 square inches to 19 to 18. And a band of defensive shifts teams will have two infielders mandatory on each side of second base for some minor league news of the new cba in 2022 and ongoing the mlb and teams are required to provide housing for triple a double a and single a players as well minimum wage for these players has been raised arbitration bonuses for the first time, players who are not eligible for arbitration may receive bonuses based on their performance throughout the year. Bonus pool only adding to $50 million. Now bonus schedules for the fun awards and everything uh, have been raised. Uh, not in a ton, but those are uh, big-name players anyways. Uh, another term, pension benefits. Pension benefits for retired players will be increased, and medical benefits for current players under their plan are improved at starting this year and something that uh, obviously the league couldn't live without their uh, fun drug program will be coming back this year obviously not uh, a fun look for the league if uh, everybody in the league is hitting home runs because they're all juiced up uh, a couple quote-unquote hidden gems says the MLB in this year is sponsor patches on helmets and uh, shirts uh, salary arbitration agreements are now granted one year of contracts. There must be an agreement. There's no more hearings for arbitration. They are previously not guaranteed, and now they are. And lastly, uh, trade deadline is still unset, but a deadline date between 20, uh, July 28th and August 3rd will be met. Whew, that was a lot. Okay, so take number three, as I said before, is the new CBA agreement good for the sport of baseball? Uh, Alex, you have 60 seconds on the clock. Go. So is the so the question is, is it good for the game of baseball? Yes. Well, yes, because now we are playing baseball thanks to this new CBA. So that's that's probably the good question. That's probably the, the big – that's probably the best answer I can probably give you. But are we going to probably have another lockout in – by December 1st of 2026? Yeah, probably. I mean, the players will always continue to want more, and the owners will always continue to want more, and that's just going to continue until we all cease to exist. But I'm just excited to have baseball back. I know me and Kyle are ecstatic to be able to watch Cubs-Brewers games on April 7th, but I I haven't been able to like ramble over the points of the CBA. It's a bunch of language that I don't really understand because it's just a bunch of 
It's a, it's a lot of numbers. Yeah. Big so, confusing words. Yeah, it's, a, it's a lot of stuff going on. But I think that since we are playing baseball this this year and we are getting a full 162-game season, that by that definition alone, it is good for the game of baseball. And that's basically going to be my entire point. I don't know if you guys disagree with that or not, but I digress. Uh, Kyle, you got 60 seconds. Uh, everything Alex just said is very true. Um, I'm not too worried about having the lockout in five years or whatever. Uh, that That's more of a line you'll cross when you get there. There's five years for them to extend this contract agreement. Um, that's unlikely, probably, but it's it could happen. Um, I like I like the new rule changes. They didn't they didn't fumble any of these, uh, especially the universal DH. I have been probably the biggest unit proponent for this for quite a while. Uh, I hate pitchers hitting, and even more, I hate pitchers running bases. This prevents that uh, pitchers can pitch, uh, and if they still want to hit, they can be pinch hit by their managers, and that's fine by me. Uh, the shift rules and the whole thing where the uh, MOB has a year to propose new rule changes, that's good for me. Uh, there's nothing in here that I, I really dislike. Uh, the money for minor league players could be higher, and I, I know that was something that the MOB wasn't willing to budge on, but overall, this is good for the game of baseball. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot it. Obviously it's baseball. It's back. I'm happy. Uh, I will admit, uh, I think if one rule change more than others stand out to me of a dislike, uh, honestly, the ban on the shift, um, uh, you can still move players in between second and third and first and second. I honestly, to me, it's. You know, Brian would say if he sees a team in a shift, he's going to pick up his phone and not watch. Um, I'm happy. Baseball's back. Banning the shift to me is kind of stupid. Takes away a big strategy piece of the game. On top of universal DHing as well, um, I'm 50-50 on that. You know, it's nice to see pitchers get out of their comfort zone every once in a while and try to lay down a base running or, uh, you know, moving the runners – put a bunt down, get a good swing on it, get something in the air with a runner at third, get an RBI, you know. It's fun to see pitchers do that every once in a while and obviously Shohei will be <laughs> batting a lot. That's a pitcher that won't uh, get DH'd for, but I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm above happy. Might not hear it in the tone of my voice. A couple rule changes that are, it's whatever, but I'm, I'm just happy there's yeah. baseball. It's uh, it's back. Are we I, open don't, it? I don't have to go through an entire summer figuring out what channel to watch Japanese baseball on. Are we opening up this for discussion now? Yeah, we'll open it up. No timer. I think uh, like we'll give give it a minute. That, that's one we'll thing I wanted to touch on was the rule changes. I mean, I I'm probably the one out of all of us that it doesn't have a problem with pitchers running and hitting the baseball. I mean, I think it's always kind of cool, like when you have that Bartolo Colon esque moment where he, where you have a home run in the middle of a game. Or who was that Padres pitcher that, with his family in attendance, hit like a go ahead grand slam? Daniel last year? Camarena. Yeah, that was it. That was a heck of a. Or I guess I can cuss on cuss on here, can I? That was a hell of a. That was a hell of a moment for baseball last year. I mean, I I was watching that game like that. I saw that highlight on Twitter and I was like. Man, I'm gonna watch that game, and then it ended with a Victor Caratini uh, walk-off home run as well. Shout out former Cub, but I, I like I I'm okay with the universal DH. I mean, I wasn't I'm not a huge fan of it. Will I get over it? Yes. My dad I know is a big fan of the uh, runner on second rule, which I mean I <laughs> indifferent. I don't really care whatsoever. I feel like that rule 
was a big rule that got put into place to get people that don't necessarily enjoy baseball to watch baseball. Well, because it's it the, the same, game. At though. the same the point, thing. if somebody who doesn't guarantee like isn't guaranteed to enjoy baseball, how are they like they're not sitting through nine innings of baseball? Yeah, it, it's it was just to make the game go faster because that was a big thing. Is like we're oh the MLB's like oh my goodness we're losing viewership. It has to be because the games are going too long. And the dumbest shit ever too. Like no outs, runner starts on second in the top of the tenth inning and bottom two. Pop flies, the game is over. Yep. The ball doesn't have to touch the ground for a team to win in extra innings. Which I, th- which I'm, I am happy that that is a new rule. I, I really don't. I don't really have a dog in the fight. I don't really care about. Here's the, the rule. thing. Here is the thing about this rule, and I think my argument is supreme in this case. <laughs> and I think, I think both sides can agree on this. Uh, from what I found out, I understand as a fan, and like this is me included as well. It sucks to watch your team lose that way, where, where two pop flies and suddenly your team is trailing going to the bottom of the 10th. And I hate that it takes a specific, like a strikeout-centered pitcher to be successful. And it's kind of like a new role, role that got developed because of this. Because I know the the Brewers, just for a team and an example, through, were throwing Drew Rasmussen out there before he got traded to do those innings because he could get strikeouts or he just gave up the run. And one other thing I kind of want to talk about. All right, go ahead. However... The, th- the reason this rule, I think, should be accepted and why people should just move on with it is teams like this rule. It prevents their players from getting injured. It reduces pitcher injuries because you don't have to throw in another starter or you don't, a bullpen guy doesn't have to work extra long. And if the players are fine with it, I think uh, the fans should be fine with it. Mm-hmm. And if the MLB likes it because it shortens games, so be it. Yep. Uh, but I think the most important thing is the players like it, and if the players like it, we should all like it. Also, one thing I kind of want to touch on for length of games, thank God that doubleheaders aren't seven innings anymore. Thank yes. God that the nine-inning doubleheaders are back. I hated the seven because I always got confused. Like, you'd be coming home from, like, a long day at work, and you're like, oh, it's the seventh inning. I'll get to watch two innings of baseball before we, I go to dinner or something. And then, nope, the game's over because it's five to one in the seventh. And you're like, oh, well, that's anticlimactic. But I, I'm a big fan of just regular baseball, and I, I really do agree with your statement that you just did about um, the extra innings. I'll comment doesn't, on the doesn't, seven. Doesn't oh, that kind of contradict a lot of people's, and I'm not saying, oh, you didn't think about this. Doesn't that contradict a lot of people's idea of saying, cool, you know, ghost runner on second and extra innings, let's not have people get hurt. Nine-inning doubleheaders adds an extra four or four innings of baseball, which on average is another hour and a half of baseball. The players wanted the wanted nine innings and they wanted the run rule, right? They yes. wanted both. Yes. The the thing. Okay. The reason the so whole the, seven the inning players want the uh, extra the reason the whole seven inning doubleheader exists in the first place was due to scheduling issues. It is not. It was never to shorten the game of baseball or whatnot. And uh, as as someone who has a roof over their head on their baseball team, if you don't want to get rained out, build a fucking roof. It's not that hard. If if you want to have your open stadium and it's like classic or whatever like Wrigley or Fenway, then accept the fact that you have to play doubleheaders at home sometimes. Which I'm American fine with field, as a Cubs fan. It's American Field. American, right. American, American Family. Field. I was at a Brewers Twins game one time in Milwaukee. That thing opened up. The only reason I realized it opened up is because the sun was just then shining on the field. It makes no noise when it opens up. Yeah, and it takes ten minutes. Yeah, it's it's honestly that should be something that's installed in every stadium. Yep. But that's. Well, Straying away from the. I, I don't have a problem with with domes or anything. Like I I would the thing with me is I would rather like on a, I would rather go to an open door stadium. That that's just me though. I can understand why people don't like it. I, I don't understand the fact like how anyone would have a problem with domes. Like if 
the domes that open during the day, like they are open when it is not raining. It would also cost like, a bunch of teams a yes, lot I, of I, money. That is the main argument. Obviously, I'm not expecting teams to go out and put domes on their stadiums. Well, even then, that's a stadium thing, so that wouldn't. Nec- that it's not 100 percent on team more. So. The with with, the, with the, the exception the of city. Wrigley Field and Fenway and Fenway Park. Uh, teams are gonna start are gonna build yeah. new stadiums eventually. Jesus, could you imagine a dome on the Coliseum? Yeah, like think about like yeah, there's so much possibilities. I will like to mention. I think the one thing that MLB got wrong in this is the expanded playoff format. Is adding it twelve teams now. Yeah, there's 12. twelve. Adding the other team to me doesn't make much sense. Uh, I'm fine with it. More teams get in the playoffs. It'll feel better. And I'm I'm honestly guessing five years down the road I'll be okay with it because the Brewers were suckled again and they'll get to sneak into the playoffs for free. <laughs> Um, but I, if you look at the teams who would have missed, you know, last year, and they missed last year and would have made it, uh, I'm looking at right now at the Reds. The Reds. The Reds would have made it in the NL. The Blue Jays would have made it yes. last year. Yeah, that See, this have. this is an argument. I remember, I remember oh. early on. When we this were is also. an argument. It's good sometimes and it's bad sometimes. If you go all the way back to 2019, the 86 win Mets would have made the playoffs, and the 93 win. Now Cleveland Guardians would have made the playoffs. Dude, I wonder how many teams, like now with twelve team format, the owners wanted fourteen, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Twelve team format. Kenneth Rob, Rob Manfred wanted fourteen. Could you imagine a world where a team with less than seventy five wins makes the playoffs? Uh, I, I have one more scenario. Twenty eighteen is uh is is something else. Uh, the Cubs obviously would have made it from the NL Central. I'm trying to remember who was on that 2018. The KB Brewers or would have made it, and the Cardinals would have made it. Was that the game 163 year? Yes. Okay. No. I'm pretty sure that was a game 163 year because it was the year after the Cubs. No, because the, the Cubs, NLCS. the Cubs were the one seed with 95 wins. Okay. Oh wait, guys, no. Do you guys remember earlier, like when we all started talking to each other when we were watching Thursday night football and the and the Blue Jays were like trying to make the playoff hunt at the beginning of the yeah, school year? Almost was a three way tie between the Red Sox, the Yankees, and the Blue Jays. Yeah, that was a, that was a fun time. That would have been great. Mm-hmm. That would have been really funny actually. <laughs> and then we didn't even get a game one sixty three. Got sad. And now there won't be any more game one sixty three. That is another thing I mentioned. I think when I Adelix had brought this up to me earlier today, and I, my initial thought was like. Oh, you know, that's a bummer. But like I said, it's an extra game. It's an extra game for guys to get hurt. And uh, the fact that games weren't decided by a tiebreaker, if you look back at the last, I think the last game, 163, was that Brewers-Cubs one in, in 2018. You were right on that, by the way. Uh, I don't think it, I, it, it changes a lot because technically that year, it, with the new rules, the Cubs would have just finished ahead of the Brewers and the game 163 would have been played. So instead of a wild card, the Cubs would have been the number one seed in the NL. It was kind of silly because the Brewers and Cubs were playing each other for the number one seed of the NL because somehow the NL Central was good that year. So, yeah. Listen, I, I don't I don't think that's that's probably a very extreme scenario where the game 163 makes more sense. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Like like I said, five years down the road, I don't think I'll care. Baseball's back. That's all that matters. Yep, exactly. Guess who's back? Okay, we are going to move on to quarter number four. It's going to be extremely short. Very sweet, very simple. We'll be back here in just uno minuto, por favor. Coming to you live from St. Cloud, Minnesota, the voice of sports ball go and puck. I forgot what our show was called for a second. <laughs> We're not doing periods today, as you knew. We're doing quarters because there's four of them. 
equal a dollar, 25 cent. Two of them, 50 cent. He was at the halftime show. Hanging upside down on the rafters. <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't know. We're doing uh, three stars of the week. We haven't done it in a while. We're just going to do it quick. It's going to be the way we end the show. Sadly, there's no... Who the fuck is that today? I get the cup for another week, motherfuckers. Kyle Let's re- go! Kyle rejoices. Well, technically, yeah. Kyle won the Technically, point. I won the last one. Kyle, technically, uh, that, Kyle that, won the last upon one. Upon a technicality. Come on. Upon a technicality, Kyle. I, I will say, I brought that uh, cup with me to Lincoln. And drink out of it? I, I washed it. Did you drink out of it? And then I drank red Kool-Aid out of it. Did you then wash it again? And I washed it again. Hey, it's his cup. He can do yeah. what he wants to. Yeah, that's fair enough. All right, three shows uh, of the week. Three shows of the week. We're doing it simple. Just do it quick. We're trying to end the show, obviously, because <laughs> I think we're going to – yeah, we're at an hour and a half. Uh, gracious. Star number one, my Minnesota man, Carl Anthony Towns, cat, big cat. Uh, he put up 60 points the other night against the Spurs – 17 rebounds, three assists, and a steal. No blocks. Uh, great night for him. Career high before. Uh, kind of recreated the Wilt Chamberlain in the locker room with the piece of paper that uh, says 100 on it, but for Cat, said 60. Uh, and then the next night, second star of the week, Kyrie Irving put up 60. Uh, six rebounds, four assists, four steals, and a block. Uh, and then third star of the week, how could you not add him? If you didn't, you guys are crazy. Alex Ovechkin becomes the third player all time on the goals list at 1,255. That's it for me. Uh, Alex, who are your guys? I'm going to go uh, one, two, three. My first star of the week goes to one Mr. LeBron James of the Los Angeles Lakers. LeBron James. In his last four games, he's averaging 33.5 points, 9.3 assists, 6.8 rebounds. And he scored 250, and he's had two 50-point games in his last four games. One of those came against the Golden State Warriors, where he scored 56 points. And then, I think two games ago, he scored 50 points. So, I mean, his team sucks. I'm kind of regretting my uh, take that I had earlier on the show. But, nonetheless, LeBron's still carrying his team right now. So LeBron's going to put up 50 against the Wolves and... Uh Still lose by thirty points. By 20 second 30. star, second star of the week, the United States of America sledge hockey team, who won the uh, Paralympic gold medal over Team Canada last week. So shout out to our boys in the red, white, and blue over there in Beijing, and who are on their way back. Thank Suck you for Canada. Thank you for uh, winning it. Oh, we got breaking news in the MLB. John Heyman just reports Chris Bryant to the Colorado Rockies. Oh, so it is official, gentlemen. Wow, that is a that's a big one. I just got the notification. Interesting deal. Wow. And then uh, third star of the week for me goes to the captain, my captain, Roman Yossi of the Nashville Predators. Three goals, 11 assists, 14 points in his last six games for the Nashville Predators. He leads NHL defensemen in points. He's 13th in the NHL in points. 16 points in his last seven games. And on this season, Kyle and Julian, 1.19 points per game for the best-looking man in all of the, all of the NHL, Roman Yossi. And with that... Kyle, what do you got for us? Um, I'm I, for for my NHL star of the week. I thought about giving it, it to uh, I believe his name is Col- Eric Colgren, uh, the Maple Leafs goalie who made his debut, 35 save shutout. It's only one good performance, so I I just wanted to throw that out there as an honorable mention. But my first star from the NHL is Patrick Kane. Uh, this is from mon- from uh, last last Monday of the previous show to the Monday, and now it is Wednesday. So I'm not counting the game that the Hawks played last night. Uh, in two games, Kaner had one goal and nine assists for 10 points in two games. Um, he's kind of generating all the offense for this pitiful Hawks team right now. <laughs> uh, for my second star, I cheated a little bit. I did uh, 
Carl Anthony Towns slash Kyrie Irving for both of their 60-point performances. The Jersey Boys getting it done. Uh, congratulations on uh, two outstanding performances by two outstanding basketball players. And my third star of the week, I'm really cheating on this one. It's the MLB Players Union for getting that CBA deal done. Shout out Brent Suter and Ian Hep, both from the Cubs and uh, Brewers, who are the representatives from both of the teams. I don't know who the Twins representative, otherwise I would shout them out. But uh, congratulations to the 30-ish I don't team. know either. 30-ish team player panel who uh, got the deal done and were playing some baseball. 38. 38, it is. Oh, yeah, so and then 32. shout out Max Scherzer and co. for getting the deal done. Uh, you know what, guys? I just decided we're going to play a what, – what do you got? The contract details on for Chris Bryant to the Rockies, seven years, $182 million. Wow. So the Colorado Rockies are a – are we going to call them – Stay tuned for a passer shoot take. Uh, what are the Rockies doing? Yeah, I also a uh, big shout out Chris Bryant. I love the guy in Chicago. You mean I, hey, Bryant. Hey, Chris Bryant got his bag, and I think he probably understands he will not be a Rocky for seven I years. Anyway. Was, uh, mean, I wonder who his agent is, Kyle. You mean Briss Bryant? Probably uh, Kirk Cousins' agent. The uh, greatest Scott Chicago Boy, Cubs. Boys. The greatest Chicago Cubs draft selection of all time, Chris Bryant. Thank you for the World Series in 2016. So, gentlemen, I'd like to point this out. Hey, 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 both of you, pay attention here. World Series. We Kyle. are. I lied. We're bringing who the puck is that? It is a two clue, one question, mm. winner takes all. All right. All right. Well, this is not uh, for the unofficial cup? For unofficial cups. Right. The cup's not in the room and Brian isn't here. Right. Well, I'm undefeated in unofficial situations. <laughs> <laughs> unofficial, unofficial champion. <laughs> so, unofficial. We're doing it just so we have it on the show this week. Uh, here we go. Okay. Winner takes all, one question, or er, two hints. Two hints, one answer. One person yep, or gotcha. team. If we get it wrong, you get the cup. Yeah, if you guys get it wrong, I get the cup. Who's <laughs> number one? Where's number ten? Mm. Interesting. <laughs> wow. We'll do, we'll do three hints, actually. <laughs> really narrows the field. Jesus. We'll do three. Clue number two. I have once said on the show that I'd buy his jersey if Deshaun Watson ever came to Minnesota. Kyle. Kyle. Justin Herbert. Kyle winning the cup. Alex didn't even stand a chance. Still really undefeated in unofficial situations. I wasn't on the show when you said that. I said that like four weeks ago. I was not. He- I swear to God, I've never heard you, you say that. You said that, that at lunch multiple times. I say it at lunch all the I time. I don't go to lunch with I've, you guys a lot, I've said it. I've said it on the show once before. I know it for a fact. We, I'll, I'll go back and find it. Anyways, it doesn't really matter. Alex, don't cry about it. It's unofficial. I'm about to brisk crying about this. Brisk Cryant, he plays for the Dude Perfect softball team. Anyways, uh, Kyle, would you like to help me outro the show today since you won Who the Buck Is That? I wouldn't mind it. I am perfect. Uh, guys, if you have any questions, have any comments, have any concerns, you want to know what type of hat Alex is wearing, shoot us an email, shoot us a DM, find us on Instagram, find us on Twitter. Hey, speaking of Instagram, this is a very, I'm glad you brought this up. What do you got? We're posting our brackets, I think, over there on Instagram. Yes. Uh, so if you want to laugh game, at us, game so start tomorrow. Uh, so we are. Gonna night, probably. Either tonight or tomorrow, we're gonna post it on there. I think we have like 16 followers. So it's it's about my hat, by the way. It's a blue Chicago Cubs regular hat, by the way. Just in case anybody was wondering. Nobody was. Anyways, guys, if you have any questions, comments, have concerns, fun, send us some emails. Send us uh, DMs, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I believe this summer we're gonna start having some video stuff. Uh, as always, if you guys like the show, don't forget to save it, like it, do whatever you'd like with it, retweet, whatever. Uh, link tree and bio guys. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of St. Cloud's finest sports ball go and puck.